This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great person. It's the other person who lives here and the other person who's on this podcast. It's my wife, Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) End of podcast. (laughs) Good night. Good night. Uh, in the grand scheme of the how are you, we go through this every week of yeah. asking one another how we are. Uh, wh- what are you feeling this week? You know, I um, today, we'll focus on today. Okay. Um, I actually have been trying for the last maybe two or three days to focus on optimism, hope, things like that. Good Perhaps things. because I wasn't enough earlier this week <laughs> and was desperately needing them. But, you know, I had to stop at the post office and mail something today and buy some stamps. And I, there's something about going to the post office. It makes me happy. So um, not a surprise since we talked about uh, the fact that I am, was more obsessed with the post office than I thought. But, you know, they've got all their plexiglass up. Everybody stands in line. Everybody was, you know, getting their business done, buying their stamps. It was good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I like it when there can be something on the podcast where I want to be like an editor of a comic book. Uh, In the comic books that I used to read would always have the editor's note when they mentioned something that happened in a previous issue. And it's nice that I can be like, editor's note, go listen to our post office episode to understand why that would bring you some joy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm in the same boat where I am just swinging all over the map, including today. But I'm excited uh, to talk about what we're going to talk about because it is the thing that I like to focus on when I want to feel better and certainly a thing that I focus on when I want to communicate with other people about how to possibly feel better. Uh, so we're going to talk about voting. Mm-hmm. We have definitely talked about voting before, uh, but this particular episode, there's another little editor's note. We did a voting episode, I think, two years ago for the midterms. Yeah. But for this particular episode, we're calling it Power of Voting. And I want to just talk about the nature of voting, about what we want it to be like, what we want it to be about, and maybe how it could change in some ways. Yeah. So in order to do that, I want to dive into the past. When you were a kid, how was voting presented to you? Was it... um? Was it presented as like a civic responsibility, a patriotic honor? Was it a chore? Was it, eh, it's this kind of small gesture you got to do? Was it an expression of like, use your power? How did it, I, I know nobody probably just sat you down and said, here's how to think about voting. Mm-hmm. But with all of the various influences you were getting from the world, how did you feel? What did you think it was? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I wish I could jump more accurately back in my brain. But a few things that kind of pop out to me just right away, I remember going to uh, with my parents to the polling station. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, going in there, I don't think I really understood what was going on, but it was like, okay, Sarah, you know, like, you're three, so you have to come with us or whatever. And so I would go and, you know, they would get their little pencil or whatever it was at that time and fill in their piece of paper. And so it's kind of like it was around. Mm-hmm. So I remember it um, have kind of that like, yeah, that's a thing that you do when you're an adult. Right. You know, you cook dinner and you, you know, sign papers and you vote and like drive cars, like all these <laughs> things that are adult things. Yeah. Um, you know, to like very young children brains. And then I, I, um, I think I, um, so I remember in government class, you know, kind of learning more about government. We all had to do our mock election, all of that kind of thing. Um, and 
I was very adamant to like sign up to register to vote once I was eligible. Yeah. Like I remember making a point of that. Uh, but I don't, I'm wanting to make sure like, yes, that I voted in my first election, but I don't have a certain like um, emotion that I associate with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That all makes sense. So at what point do you feel like you had any opinion for yourself about the way you perceived voting? Like from that kind of list of different ways to look at it, did it settle down to you at any point of this is how you think about voting? Mm. Yeah. I mean, even from that first, like the first election after I was 18, I was like, I think I felt like it was um, a responsibility, but not in a like, okay, it's a thing I need to do, but more in a like, oh, well, this is a responsibility and I should take pleasure in this because uh, it's my chance to, you know, have a say about what's going on. But I wasn't uh, always very good at being super involved about all the things. You know, I think that's true of a lot of people uh, yeah, uh, you're not alone of many ages, um, but including that age. But I think then um, in particular, especially paying more attention to the whole cycle of politics and not just the big elections, um, but in particular primaries. I worked, I had the pleasure of working with some people just in unrelated jobs who were always very conscious to make sure they voted in primaries. They were very aware of it. And so just almost by, um, you know, kind of having that seep in. Yeah. It became more and more important to me. And I think I also just kind of started paying more attention. But I was like, oh, I really need, I thought I was doing a good job, but I was doing like the basics. I need to do a better job at this. Okay. So you saw it then ultimately as a, not just a civic responsibility, but like a, how, what, what are your words? How would you describe it? Just oh, in, now? In the, or then just like yeah. the, the base, like what is it? What are the nouns <laughs> to you? Yeah. Like what, I mean, I would say certainly civic responsibility, I would definitely include. I would say an opportunity to have your say on how the government that affects you is run and who's part of it. That's definitely how I feel about it now. It's okay, part let, of why I'm much more interested in primaries now. Let me respond then to what I'm, what I'm hearing. I know, I yeah. know you're going to say more, but what, from what you just said, the way you were saying it sounds to me like common sense. Like not just the <laughs> words, because they, they do make sense, and I'm very common. Um, but the way you like, well, of course, come on, was the sort of tone of your voice when you were describing like, well, it's your chance to have a say. So does, I guess I'm trying to drill down of, is that a, an element of it for you of like, this is obvious? I mean, yes, but I will be totally honest. There are absolutely elections I've missed um, just because like, you know, I hadn't figured out ahead of time I needed to request an absentee ballot. And that day I happened to be working three jobs and then had rehearsal. And there was no way for me to actually make it to the polling place on the and one day. And you're talking about like midterms and local only and things like that. Yeah. yeah. You're not, you never like was like, oh, Bush Gore, I forgot. <laughs> that, I am not saying that. <laughs> also, Minnesota. Honestly, this is was another big one for me is uh, we lived in Minnesota when um, it was the Franken- blanking on um coleman coleman Coleman, yeah um and it came down to something like 250 votes 312 thank you um and i was already had already kind of deepened my like sense of i'm not civic responsibility to like a a amorphous like out there in the world civic responsibility but kind of civic responsibility Mm -hmm. to myself like if i want to this is part of the you know i am part of this civic society and 
I have opinions about it and therefore I need to make sure that I vote. Like to me, that's part of a, the linear progression. Yeah. But if I had had any question about does your vote make a difference, I think being there and I worked in St. Paul right by the state capitol building, um, which just for some reason made it even more like right in my face all the time. Um, being right that, there for that really drove home the your vote counts. Yeah. Even if you think it doesn't. And so I think for me that gave it that extra level of like, nope. You never know when you are going to be the 312th person. Right. So that fueled you as seeing it as a necessity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I think for myself, going back to youth, Mm -hmm. you know, it is the kind of thing that I I don't remember anybody sitting down and giving me the voting talk. And maybe in some families that happens. Uh, So it, it is hard to piece through all the different cultural information that comes in. But I think that... I probably received it in the way that I think a lot of people of our era generally did is it's a civic responsibility. Show up and, and do your duty. Stand up and be counted. Be a part of things. Have your voice heard. Um, when I think about it, I think of like Captain America. Like I honestly do because it was like the just like, you know, America is a concept. And if we want that concept to become a reality, we need to put the work in, you know, like, I think there's just a lot of it that's tied up to me of like, yes, it's a civic responsibility, like paying your taxes. But it's also a little, even when I was younger, it was a little shinier and more exciting than that. Mm -hmm. Because it was a chance to be heard. Yeah, you know, I've mentioned this on the podcast i have been lucky in life to get to do lots of creative things and and choose to do things like a podcast where like i get to throw my voice out there but i grew up in a family full of strong opinions with an older brother and that means like when i was very young you know when i was four and he was seven he decided things (laughs) it's like great (laughs) cool um so i think i grew up in a sort of natural younger sibling position as well as being in a family with lots of strong personalities that made me from a very young age be super interested in an opportunity for my voice to be heard, right? An mm. opportunity for me to get to have this oppor- opportunity. So just I think, if you know, voting obviously is super important. But if people were just like, we're going to choose the sandwiches, f- the five official sandwiches of America, would you like your voice to be heard? I'd be like, yes, because mm-hmm. I just like the idea of my voice being heard. I think tracking back to just my life experiences growing up. Um, yeah, that's a great point. And then going forward to my first voting opportunity, uh, you know, when I started kindergarten, my family was moving and I would, and I'm in August birthday. So it was right on the cusp of whether I would, I was always going to be younger than everybody or always older than everybody. So, uh, I, so the way that I started kindergarten, I was always the age that everybody else in my class was going to turn that school year. I had turned that August 17th. And, you know, sometimes when you're growing up and it's like, oh, he's 15, he could do this now, blah, 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 you know, uh, 18, senior year of high school for me, I I was the only person in my class who was going to vote. Mm. But everybody was close to voting age. So and everybody else was going to be turning 18 for the most part over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we had like mock elections and things like that. Um so everybody was really engaged on who was going to, you know, uh, uh, on the candidates in the discussions. Um, and I was really, really into Saturday Night Live at that point. And so it was like the majority of pe- that was like a standard, 
it wasn't a niche comedy thing. Like almost everybody in my high school seemed to like Saturday Night Live and talk about it mm-hmm. and having all of those characters in the debates all the time. Um, so I think that really reinforced the, this is something cool where I get to have my voice heard. Oh, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Being the only kid around who is actually going to vote. So I think that all got in in uh, fairly deep. But then, yeah, same with you. I think I have not always been the uh, most civically responsible of, of paying attention to everything. Uh, there's certainly some local elections or uh, I don't think I ever missed any midterms. Maybe I did. Like I might have missed like midterms. Anyway, you know what I mean? Uh, but in general, like, yeah, never a presidential election. And now, obviously, I think we're both in a different place. Mm hmm. We want to be more engaged all the time and are probably never going to miss any kind of election uh, at all Mm -hmm. because it really matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really interesting, especially for me, for some of the last round of elections, paying a lot more attention and just having opinions during the primaries on local elections. Yeah. Which I feel like is really a time where you can make a difference. And so it's it's gotten me much more energized and i love what you said about it being a way for your voice to be heard yeah because it is because you make a mark it's not who's despite what we see on the news or the commercials or things like that um it's not who's yelling the loudest it's you know it that doesn't decide it it might decide some things but ultimately it comes down to the vote which you make on a piece of paper on a computer whatever you know your version of voting is now or you know in the past or in the future but it's it's a one-to-one relationship with you and that voting mechanism. It's not, um, caucuses aside, mm-hmm. um, it's not who's loudest in the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I was also really affected by the 1984 presidential election from a couple perspectives. Yeah? Uh, you know, Mondale picking Geraldine Ferraro as the running mate. And uh, both my grandmother and my mother were really, like, um, strong people in in wanting to be in leadership positions and out in the world and doing things. So me growing up, I that I just saw like, well, of course that should be. So of course there should be a woman president. Of course there should be a woman vice president. So I think that got in a young age too of like, oh, the, the, this might actually make a big difference uh, at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And then uh, going to bed the night of the election and just not comprehending that it that this was... Uh, not a like narrative where the heroes could pull it out at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember specifically going to bed and saying, well, wake me if it turns around and Mondale wins. <laughs> My parents were like, just go to bed. <laughs> that's not happening. It's just, that's not, that's the way hope works. Right now, that's not the way math works, unfortunately. And it, and I always remember that. And, you know, yeah, that's fascinating. crushing uh, defeat. But, it also reminds you to, uh, you know, if you want something to happen, to put your back into it uh, and try to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings us to more modern times. I have like a theory and opinion that I want to run by you. Yeah. And then get your take. So I think that there can be a cynicism around voting uh, for lots of different reasons. The feeling that it doesn't really matter, that it's just a, a drop in the bucket, that even if you successfully elect people, they're not going to do what they actually said or what you asked anyway. Uh, the whole both parties are the same. A two-party system is broken, so there's no point. Uh, all those kind of things. Lots of reasons uh, for cynicism. Uh, and I think that's really led us away from feeling empowered. Uh and I think the 
I think people still feel civic responsibility. I got to do that. I should do that. But I think that's a difference uh, from feeling empowered. Uh, and I feel like we've moved away from the reality that votes actually do make a difference. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Do you think that there is a changed perception that voting truly, truly does make a difference? Do I feel like there's a changed perspe- pers- um, perspective on that in general? Uh, maybe, I guess, do you think right now that people feel like voting is power? Um, I think many people do. I don't know that as many people feel that way as I would like to feel that way, <laughs> if I may be brutally honest. Um, I mean, I think it it is power, and I feel like I still hear too many people who kind of do the, like, ah, it's just not my thing, or, like, what difference is it going to make? And... Um, like I mentioned before, like for me, living through that count in Minnesota was like every single vote matters. Yeah. But also, you know, it, it, I mean, I know we're talking about large national elections as well, but like local elections, it's often not many votes that make the difference. Right. And those are the things that make the biggest impact, some of the biggest impacts on your day to day life. And so um, and so I am f- frustrated by people who finding their vote doesn't matter and and i do i think i also at the same time do understand where some of it comes from especially Mm -hmm. when it feels like it's this big giant machine and you know let's look at you know nationally for a second if you're in a state that kind of always veers one direction and that's not the direction that you go will you feel like your vote doesn't have a power because it's not going to change so i i also i totally get it but i also feel like it is it is our little as as you've been saying calling it our little sliver of power yeah yeah and that, yeah and i think that is interesting to think of it from that perspective of there is the just brutal reality of somebody wins or they lose right mm-hmm. but it is going to affect a state if they win by 90% or they win by you know 50.5% that yeah. is going to change how things proceed if you know, the the possibility of losing power is demonstrated by, you know, people voting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I've been focused on this power idea a lot because I think there is, there's so many reasons that let that cynicism uh, take hold. So that's mm-hmm. part of the reason I wanted to call this episode the power of voting. I think it's, it's what makes us uh, feel um, better. And I think it's the truth. I think there's just so many ways that we, uh, that people want to make us feel like we don't have power. Like it's that it's the actual you know to me it's the the point of <laughs> democracy, uh, but it is so easy to feel disconnected from. I went and I circled the thing, and if you're into it, like you were describing it, it you you viscerally you made a mark, your voice was heard. <laughs> but if you've been sort of told that for a long time of like make your voice heard, and you're like I did it, I filled out the bubble, and I feel the things that I wanted to change didn't change it can lose the effect of having the power that it actually has. When you mention really close uh, races, Mm -hmm. it really does have power. um, So that I feel like uh, that's where I'm coming from. I I feel like there are a lot of understandable reasons. There is, I think, some uh, dogma that uh, from specific points of view that want people to feel like they don't have as much power. So I feel like we kind of need to reclaim that narrative, reinvigorate it, and re-examine 
the truth of it so it can feel sincere. So yeah. that the idea that voting is power can feel sincere, it can feel uh, literally empowering, in, and it can feel like a good thing that like, I put my tiny little rock of power here, and now look at the mountain. I did something as an individual, and we as the group did something together, and I just want to find ways to like reinvestigate that mm-hmm. so we can feel that legitimately instead of just feel like it's a talking point from the people every two to four years. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting about how to reinvigorate it. Yeah. I think just kind of stepping back about the the power, I think part of it to me also has always been like if I'm this is kind of a two part thing, but if there weren't a power to voting, there would not be so many people trying to take away the vote from so many people. Like I That's feel like a that wonderful, is, concise way to say it. <laughs> that is demonstration right there. They are trying to take your power away. And if it actually if you actually had no power, they wouldn't be trying this. They way. wouldn't be trying to F up the post office. Right. Right. Or like close all of the places that you can, you know, deliver your ballots and right. change the number of polling stations. Also, they wouldn't have made it so hard for so many people to vote for so long. And I just feel like there's so many people, um, you know, within the United States, whether it's women, people of color, you know, you know, it's people have had to fight, actively fight for this right to vote. And if they I I really do feel this like they yeah, it was important I'm- enough for them to make this their mission, to work generations and generations and generations, you know, over 100 years trying to get these rights. Who am I to just turn my nose up at that fight? Like, I feel like this is... Right. I need, like, honestly, to me, it is partly honoring that because it's important enough that people have fought for the right to vote when they've been turned away, you know, again and again and again. They keep trying to register to vote. So, like, I'm kind of feel like, yeah, you're not taking that power away from me. <laughs> like, the thought of it almost makes me viscerally mad. Yeah, no, I'm, I am you're seeing sick. it and hearing it and feeling <laughs> it. And that's great. And I think that's what we need is to anybody who has become a little sort of like, I get the pamphlets every four years and what differences it really make. And I don't see the difference in my day to day life. And, you know, all those kinds of things that can water us down. Uh, they need what you just delivered with fire and passion and reconnection to truth of like, yes, if. If voting wasn't powered, we wouldn't have uh, these gerrymandered, uh, you know, districts that look like just like if you splattered spaghetti on the floor and that's the map now. Or we wouldn't have all the fights in Florida where, mm-hmm. you know, rights are trying to be uh, restored to, to people uh, who have served their time and are out of prison. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's just battles back and forth about trying to keep those rights away from people. Yeah. You know, it goes. Yeah, it, it goes deep. Um, do you feel... Uh, cynicism yourself what do you feel it and if so from what direction when you get when you get the little gremlin on your shoulder that says yeah it doesn't really matter and i'm in this state or blah blah whatever it is the Mm -hmm. doubt and the cynicism that takes you away from that fiery passion that you just had yeah you just had this conviction that voting is power (laughs) what what takes you away from that um i think i've i think sometimes um you know if i've Honestly, if I've been in a place that felt safer, like things were not as likely to change, um, or honestly, like things are not going to change and what it feels way too big, like I feel way too much like the water drop facing the big stone wall, um, that is, tends to be the type of um, time in the past when the cynicism has has come up. 
Um, and also sometimes just trying to, again, getting more to kind of the, the look when there's a lot of things on the bounce that there's not a good way to find information about. Yeah. Uh, judges. <laughs> <laughs> um, often is the one of like, that honestly is one of the things that makes me like, ah, I don't even know anything about this. And I keep trying to find information. Ah. And over the years, I've found more places to find that information. And I honestly, I think having the internet has helped a lot. Um, with a lot of these things, because otherwise you were so very dependent on what arrived via the mail, or if you had a TV or a radio, like what you were hearing there. So it's been, it's really interesting, I think, how much more access we have now. And I'd be really curious if that has made people um, have more cynicism or less cynicism. I actually don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, for me, it is just like not seeing the results. You know, I think certainly there's those times where like I want, reps to be more assertive about making larger change because mm-hmm. i think america is designed to evolve um and I, there can be that frustration where i can uh, fall to that myself uh and get just uh, sort of uh, frustrated and disillusioned i think the information thing is big uh you and i were talking not on a podcast i was kind of ranting and raving about when i take the time like right now when things are in crisis to go all right I want to understand this particular political thing, mm-hmm. especially when it gets into like Senate rules and like, okay, is it a law? Is it a norm? Is, is somebody just being an asshole? How is this happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, it It is a commitment of my time yeah, to find the information, double check it, verify the source, check a second source, you know, and, and because there are so many people out there who who want to have a negative spin if you're going to share that information on social media i have to take even more time to be like okay i'm gonna buttress up my evidence so i really you know am taking responsibility and know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. um that i feel like voting would be better if the rules of our government were known and celebrated and, and I, I think I think people don't want them to be because then it's easier to spin stuff right mm-hmm. uh, and uh, some of that's just some of the stuff that people hate about politics is like I get it but also that's called human nature <laughs> and you will deal with that if you're trying to put on a show you will deal with that if you are working at FedEx office it's humans mm-hmm. they, they spin things yeah <laughs> to their yep. advantage absolutely <laughs> it's what hum- they strategize it's what they do they have a hard time admitting they're wrong it's humans um, so I just feel like if we knew a lot more about everything, mm-hmm. if we knew politics the way I know Star Wars lore, or in particular the way people who love sports, like that's the engagement of sports. That's uh, people love the statistics, right? They love uh, people love to be watch, watching a football game and have an opinion on what the ref is judging on because they know the rules back and forth. And, you know, you get to things like fantasy football and they, people know the stats and the whole, uh, you know, different view of baseball that I've also done a podcast about. The statistics side of it where, you know, people know, you know, exactly how good this one particular person is at hitting this exact kind of pitch by the numbers mm-hmm. in that, that level of command it just draws people in. They feel invested instead of, I got to make it through this cloud of brochures and spin. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I don't fully know how to accomplish that, but that's for me a place I'd really like to see our country go. 
Yeah, I think that would be fascinating. To celebrate having the knowledge. And I think once enough of us start having it, mm-hmm. then, I mean, like, my God, you can't, you can't have, like, a minute go past on social media without people having strong opinions about sports or pop culture. And, you know, ha- needing a decent amount of knowledge in order to have those opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. Uh, so a, a couple ideas about kind of how to, how to reframe how we're thinking about it. Voting, yeah, and how we're talking about it. Do you think that politicians and leaders could or should do more to connect concrete results to voting? Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and topic closed. Yeah. Um, I think some try. I think it, like, like everything in life, basically is. There's always complication and there's always shades of gray. Very few things are, you know, actually going to be a a stark divide one way or the other. But I do feel like having more of more of a connection. um, I think it I think it's one of those things that can provide that empowerment like you were talking about before. It can help fight the cynicism, whether it's somebody who in general is like whatever my vote doesn't matter if it's somebody who is usually like, yeah, I know I go vote in like all the main elections or just like, but right now I'm not feeling like my, my voice counts. And it, I feel like it does give um, a place for people to focus that energy and that attention. And also if they don't, if you don't like something, you're like, okay, well, you know, I, you voted for me. And so, and this is a direct result of that. And you're like, I hate that. I'm going to work really hard against you. You know, I think, feel like it does, um, it would cause more um, the potential for more engagement. Yeah. I mean, people kind of have as a catchphrase uh, on every side of any political ideology. Like, well, you know, uh, elections have consequences, you know, and that gets right. thrown around. But I feel like there there can be this fire when there's, you know, a Supreme Court nomination or a very specific um, uh, uh, bill is up, you know, uh, in, in the Senate or the House in particular, but in the Senate more often. And I feel like we... I feel like our leaders could do a better job of storytelling, of mm-hmm. of connecting the dots and telling the narrative. Because you know, we go out there, they and, and we get we get the spin and we get the pitch and and all that stuff. Um, but just really reconnecting to this thing that the majority of Americans didn't want to happen, not just because in general, but like let's look at the map, let's look at that last election, who won which state. If that one state had been different, this result would have been different or more even better to have those positive things of like, look, we won this state, but we lost this state. So we had this total number of uh, votes. So we were able to accomplish this, Mm -hmm. but we couldn't quite get to this thing, other thing that we'd like because we didn't quite get there and really, again, make it almost like a storytelling perspective, almost like a. Let's crunch the numbers, everybody. And people do that. But right now they're in this sort of like, oh, yeah, those are political experts. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I wonder if we make the storytelling more about, hey, we got this. Be, let, let, let's start from the micro mm-hmm. of there was this one election and then this was the consequence and this was the consequence. And because of that, that's where we are. Yeah. So I think people know that intellectually, but they don't feel it. And we have a hard time holding on to it. Like. Every time there's an upsetting vote or an upsetting nomination, we all kind of clamor at one another. Remember this at the next election, or I told you. 
it, we know it intellectually, yeah. but I think as a as a society, we have a hard time carrying the narrative through. Yeah. Am yeah. I, no, I think I I do think I think the I think you are um, nominating yourself to be somebody's chief storyteller. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, in in storytelling, I, people have like a negative connotation with that mm-hmm. because they think like, oh, you're trying to convince me of something. Like you're you, making yes, stuff up. Every story is trying to convince you of something that's you know that's what stories do even if a story just wants to entertain you and all they want to do is make you feel they want to make you like the main character then they want to make you worry about the main character then they want to make you happy that the main character ended up okay at the end that's not manipulation that's what stories do right Mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like a lot of people hear storyteller and think of it as um Something that's not true. A, yeah. a spinner of yarns. A spinner of yarns. But yeah. I feel like, but, um, you know, you obviously, well, not obviously, not everybody knows. You have spent time as a storyteller within the storytelling community. And many of those stories are real, are based on fact, entirely on fact. But maybe it also needs a different word. Maybe it's like political narrative is not a good word either because I think that's already being used. I was just thinking of like, well, travel narratives, you think of, you trust those as being a story of somebody's journey. Yeah. So if somebody's like the political narrative, but that I yeah, feel like even has that. been spun already too many times. Well, so maybe we just need we'll come a new up with word. the right word. Like, yeah. yeah uh, ramification trackers. <laughs> <laughs> ramification raconteurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not a political expert uh, and I'm sure that there are some reasons that people that politicians hew to specific things um but for me i also feel like well that this is this is a part of what you know being american is is questioning things mm-hmm. and throwing out ideas and i do think there's th- some some of the problems with with politics is stagnating on tactics mm. and like yep i get it there are certain things that you know you really have to be crunching the numbers and you have to be in it to get it to get why politicians do certain things certain ways but I also just feel like this is a timeless truth that narrative connects. Yeah. You know, um, do you think voting should be a federal holiday? So this is one I'm so torn about this one. I know many, many people push for it. And um, I I don't honestly know enough about it. But here is my concern because pe- because I feel like this has been, you know, circulating for a few years, probably far longer than that saying this should be a federal holiday so my brain instantly goes to okay but what about are the grocery stores still open they still have to work are the you know buses and subways still working what about the people who have to run those what like like obviously hospitals always have to stay open they don't get holidays and they have ways to deal with that um and also does this become the new like okay everybody takes that week off and it's the new like voting day sale or something where people are not paying attention to what the the holiday is, which I know since this is an a, an active based an activity based day, maybe that's different. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm honestly I'm so torn. I think it is great that polls are open for you know a long period of time on that day. I I think it is. I again, this is just me talking off the top of my head. So maybe there's reasons for it, but it seems like the push toward a lot of places having maybe a few days of polling, mm-hmm. um, especially like, you know, in a place like Los Angeles where a lot of people have a two hour commute each way. Um, 
still, if they're, you know, having to still go to work, sometimes you actually aren't home between 6 a.m. and 9 p.m. Like a lot of people, they're not anywhere near their home at that time. And even though you're supposed to have time off from your job, not all jobs quite treat it that way. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think there's a lot of elements to it that I like, but I also just have a lot of hesitation about the actual logistics of how it would be enrolled in to make sure that it includes everybody yeah. and not the, just the people who already can take time off and vote. Right, right. Uh, no, I, I totally get the hesitation. Uh, a, a thing that I see happen in conversation in general on social media, but certainly around uh, political conversation, that somebody will suggest that something is good. And then a lot of people will say, that's not the one and only solution. <laughs> uh, and I think I feel that way about, you know, making actual election day uh, a full federal holiday. Like, it, of course, it's not the only solution. And of course, there are many problems with it. But I think it's a great place to start. Like, I, I think there should still be, you know, more mail-in voting, more uh, early voting always. But I think making it a federal holiday is a first step toward getting more people out of it. Like, yep, absolutely. A, a lot of people who are already um, not treated as well as they should be by society will still have to be working their jobs. Uh, and I get that that's a criticism of it. Uh, but it is just this step of freeing up a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know for me, the the few times like in Minnesota when we still live there and I missed a midterm election or it's just a small local election, it's because I was overwhelmed mm-hmm. with stuff and voting didn't feel, it just felt like another thing I had to do. It felt like, right, uh, I need to renew my driver's license. So I guess oh, and it has to be today. Uh. And I'm just for anything that gets us past that that makes us slow down and go this is the biggest deal Mm -hmm. as you know you can have you know whatever beliefs you want and you know the day a new marvel movie (laughs) comes out can be the biggest day of your emotional life for you if you're religious though you have days that are big to you but as a citizen of america Mm -hmm. this is the biggest day of the year and it deserves attention and i would argue celebration and i think Mm -hmm. it's kind of a first step toward that yeah i like the idea of focusing a spotlight on it um because like you said like right now with the last few elections it seems insane to think that uh, somebody might not know that the election's coming up. <laughs> but I feel like there have been times, especially more, you know, non-presidential years, um, primaries probably would not also be an, uh, an election. And, you know, different states have different special elections and all that. But to make that um, first Tuesday in November does shine more of a spotlight on it, definitely. Yeah. So I want to talk more about celebrating it. Yeah. So, like there's the one thing of just like, oh, do you get... The, is it a federal holiday? And then we know how holidays like this go. We, exactly what you're saying of like people who have, you know, middle class jobs are probably great. You don't have to go into the office. But people who work at Walmart are probably still going to be, you know, working at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not and that's that's a problem. That's why it's one of the reasons it's not a just one and done solution. Right. Uh, but I'm interested in making it a celebration. Yeah. And building up tradition around it what do you think about making it not just like election day is a federal holiday but making it uh like other holidays where you know 
there are special foods. Uh, maybe we give each other, you know, voting presents. You know, maybe there is a moment of silence to remember everyone who fought for these uh, rights. Maybe this is a day where, like, you know, it, maybe this is also, there's a solemn element of it that's never forget. This is how many years it's been since women have had the right to vote. So people hear it and feel it. And mm-hmm. I feel like we have lots of days that combine these things, you know, yeah. elements of being solemn, celebratory, and making it not just like a thing I have to do, but a day to stop and remember the point of this, that this is what our country is, mm-hmm. is a democracy. And that means, even though it doesn't always feel that way, that we have the power and this is a celebration of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I love the idea of making it more of a celebration. Um, I love the idea of themed foods, <laughs> um, you know, and is it the year where like every four years a new documentary about some aspect of the Constitution or voting history or something comes out? And I know that would be immensely controversial. I'll bet it's off about you, perspectives and all yeah, that. Yeah. But we can still celebrate it in our imaginations. <laughs> I like that um, when I say holiday, the first thing that comes to your mind is, like, ooh, a new documentary. <laughs> it, it wasn't from holiday. It was, um, I was sitting here thinking like, yeah, it's a day when we all sit and we read the Constitution and people aren't going to do that. So then we need to like make it a movie so people watch it was kind of my train of thought yeah. on that one. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I, I, and honestly, it was the the gift giving of like, oh, is this when you get your, you know, your new ballpoint pen that you will use for the next, you know, your new seven-year ballpoint pen. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, this. I mean, look at the celebration of the I Voted stickers. Yes, I feel, exactly. I mean, those people do use those as a celebration, are super proud to sport to them, sport them to show them. And I feel like, yeah, there's there's more that could be could be done. Yeah, like when we voted in the primaries this election, like right very shortly before everything got shut down mm-hmm. um i remember people in line talking about it like this is great for us all to be standing here when there's that that you know possible coronavirus thing um and it was a exceedingly long line we waited there for what like two hours three hours three hours in line uh with a very chatty person talking about his drone that he flies into windows to see if apartments are occupied <laughs> There's lots of upsetting things. I yeah. had to overhear some Star Forgot Wars opinions that. that I strongly disagreed with, but I wasn't <laughs> going to get into it in line. Uh, waited there for three hours. Uh, and when one of the, when we were getting close to the door, that person came out and was like, they ran out of stickers. And like a hundred people went, ah. And that was like really visceral to me of like, I know we post them on social media. I know some people like posting them. Some people are like, stop lecturing me. Enough with the stickers. Oh, did you vote? Did you get a sticker? Are you like a two-year-old who used the bathroom? Great. You got a sticker. Like, they, I have heard pushback against them. I have made jokes about them. Uh, but in this moment, to see no snark, no cynicism, all those people waiting in line for so long to have their voice heard and then be upset that they can't get the little colorful sticker that says, I did it. Right? Because you do. You want that little thing that says you did it i mean it's why they include i voted stickers with and at least um they are here in california with your mail-in ballot um so that you still get the sticker so that people won't you know not turn in their ballot because they won't still want the sticker yeah 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 it, it's a really interesting um reward system that oddly seems to work 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is, um, you know, this is, there's lots of layers to this one, but like, look at all the people in 2016 who went and put their I voted stickers on Susan B. Anthony's grave. I mean, also vandalism, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was done as an act of joyfulness. Right. So I just, I feel like there are like, are there, can there be like, I voted murals or, I mean, this is a horrible thing to suggest in California, but like everybody puts sparklers in their windows and it's like, I mean, it, it it's hard to find what's the right thing that doesn't sound hokey. You know, like, oh, we all put the bunting out in our windows, but I'll, to find what's the real element of it. Yeah, yeah. And not the hokey element of it. Right, because politics obviously like anything else, but it's bigger spotlight because it's, you know, uh, how we make decisions about our nation and our standing mm-hmm. in the world, uh, bigger spotlight. Yeah. Things can feel really insincere and like propaganda very quickly. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why nothing like this has ever emerged. But for me, there's the, I was kind of going on and on about my opinions about, you know, is there, is there uh, ways to become more knowledgeable and, and invest ourselves in it because we know the rules, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we know the, you know, some people have gotten into that with what, clicking on 538 all the time and all that and knowing exactly the percentage and blah, blah, blah. Um, but there's that I'm invested because it's knowledge, you know, kind of almost um, uh, 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 using that gamification side of our brains. Mm-hmm. So there's that side of it to me. But the holiday side of it to me is, a, again, about storytelling. It is about reinvigorating in, in a way the truth that we don't talk about politics as much because it can lead to conflict and we all want to break from that. So we have turned politics into a thing that's off to the side. You know, we talk about other things. Mm. You, you don't just randomly bring up your politics. But for me, politics are the, the it, politics itself has become this spin word that politicians have used to attack other politicians have successfully made it that everybody just kind of thinks that word is awful. That idea is awful. And the truth of politics is it's how we, we with the power, decide what we want our nation to be, what we value. And yeah, we disagree, so it's not all shiny, but we advocate for it. Mm -hmm. We advocate for these laws aren't just numbers. They aren't just uh, this guy in, in, you know, Massachusetts won this seat. It's not all technical. There is something romantic and powerful about it because it is how we decide what we value mm-hmm. and who we want to be and what face we want to present to the rest of the world. And I feel like that all deserves, it deserves to be seen that way and it deserves to be celebrated. Like, I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous to say, hey, we've got to the point in social media where we all post our I voted stickers. Let's post our I voted, you know, desserts, whatever they are. And, some, yeah. and somebody on social media will make a weird cake and then that will become a joke and then that will become the I voted cake. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, it sounds like utterly ridiculous. But then you look at things like Fourth of July. The Fourth of July started to celebrate, you know, actual Declaration of Independence, right? Mm-hmm. The birth of our nation. And now it's it's fireworks and hot dogs. <laughs> and for other people mm-hmm. like myself, it's going to a science fiction convention, you know, every Fourth of July weekend. And it's a celebration Mm -hmm. and i don't see why voting the thing where we actually use our power could not become a celebration 
and it would fight so much and get us away from having it be a chore mm-hmm. as well as a, an opportunity when we look at other holidays that have a mixture of celebration and a mixture of psalm. Yeah. Uh, to say we're doing all these festive things. We're gathering with uh, family members. We're sharing traditional foods. We're sharing presents. We're doing specific dances or, or singing specific songs in it's festive, but it's all to remind us of this thing that's super important to our culture that we have utter and deep respect for. Mm-hmm. So I know it also sounds like, oh, great, you want to just slap some hot dogs on voting. Like, no, as a culture, we have many holidays mm-hmm. that are both religious and secular that are both solemn and festive celebrations to remind us of why we do the thing we do and to make us feel connected to one another Mm -hmm. i love it what great passion (laughs) this is great i got distracted thinking about what kind of food i'm gonna make for election day this year yeah i know well i (laughs) i don't think uh we quite have the social media reach but we could start it we could have you know uh election pie (laughs) we'll figure something out (laughs) we can figure out our our i voted pie uh (laughs) or whatever else it might be i also just think that you know there it is one of the things that that it brings Americans together because despite all of the attempts to silence people's voices that are still going on, when it works the way it should, the, when it w- works the way that we are striving toward, mm-hmm. it is bringing all of us from different perspectives, different points of view, different cultures, different ages, all these different things together yeah. into this one act where we all do this thing because whatever else makes us different, we are all Americans. Mm-hmm. And we want to celebrate that too. Yeah. Of this moment, we're, this day where we're all doing the same thing because we are making ourselves who we are today. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And I think um, one of the things that I that really stuck out to me from our three-hour wait in line, where, you know, we were in a residential neighborhood where the people who were walking back and forth who just happened to live in houses or apartments along that area Walking out with like giant boxes of, you know, prepackaged granola bars saying like anybody hungry and yeah. need food. They would walk past with cases of water saying anybody need water. And it did really have that community coming together. We're doing a thing together, almost a celebratory event yeah, um, or a celebratory feeling to it. And um, so I feel like absolutely we can we can um, find that we can harness that. And then the news that night can only talk about all the celebrations and they can't start talking about the results until after midnight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other element of it, the, the coverage, all that stuff. But yeah, you're right. I think I felt that then and I am feeling it now because this election is such a crisis. This is such mm-hmm. a, to me, make or break. Uh, this is we get Trump out or democracy is in deep, deep, deep peril. Um, so there. I, I've been trying to share that perspective of I've got this little bit of power. I, I want to embrace that. Enjoy it. Let me put it in and then see the mountain that grows. When I put my little piece of power mm-hmm. on that mountain, I have been feeling that more since people are, are talking about like, I'm text banking. I'm phone banking. You and I are writing letters for vote forward. Other yeah. people are, you know, we know are signing up to be uh, poll workers. You know, people are dropping off their ballots already, lots of different places. And to, just to see how so many people fully engaged mm-hmm. is this great feeling of I'm not alone. Yeah. It's not like, uh, oh, man, I'm really busy today. So I guess I got to go to that school gymna- gymnasium and, and fill out that circle and eh, get back to my business. 
you know, it feels great to feel like we are all doing something. That's a really good point. It do, I do feel so much more shared civic engagement than I have at any point in my life. Yeah. And and it is energizing. It is that, you know, idea of shared shared joy and shared commitment that when there's a community, you're more likely to keep doing it. But it really like it's so important as we have been saying for people to vote. And I feel like that that sense of energy just that like that hum. I mean, I would say in some elections, whatever you're voting for this election, I'm going to say voting for democracy. But um, it really, it does really feel like it brings people together. And and in, you know, more normal times could hopefully also bridge the divide of such a like us versus them. Yeah. But is a we're all working to get people to participate in democracy. This year we're all working to save democracy. But hopefully that's so that we can all in the future get people to participate in democracy. Yeah. That it's still there. So, yeah, no, I think that's a really great point that it is already like the energy's humming more than yeah. year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, a thing that has gone that I've certainly made as a joke, certainly many other people have made uh, as a joke. In I go back and forth on like the holiday, which I'm clearly all, all in on. <laughs> yeah. It could go wrong, but I'm all in on the holiday. Is it too frivolous to have something fun or weird? to vote on on election day as well uh and mm. what, like I, when i've made i've made jokes before of like you know if you put you know what is the best mcu movie on the ballot too then everybody would show up right it, <laughs> or, or you know what is the, you know who should have won you know the super bowl last year you know like uh, something that people are already invested in because it's because it's not because it's a side thing not mm-hmm. even well for some people it's not a side thing anymore but you know what i mean yeah um but if it were something a little bit more like, hey, you know what? We're America and joy is we take things seriously and we're striving to be the nation we want to be. And here are our policies. But also among that, you know, a big part of the pursuit of happiness is just being joyful. And so every election, uh, every, you know, two years, we're going to have the uh, American animal that we're going to celebrate this for these next two years <laughs> or something that's like. It's not even a forever thing. It's just like fun. Yeah. It's not like, great, let's co-op pop culture or sports to drag people into, you know, but like truly like, hey, if it was, let's say, let's say democracy is saved. (laughs) There's a presidential election in 2024. You get to nominate and you get to choose between the bear, the squirrel, (laughs) the sea otter, Mm -hmm. you know, and and those, those are the finalists. And one of them is just going to be celebrated. Yeah. You know, or it can be a flower or a river or anything, you know? Yeah. And I know everything is political. So those things would become political too. And different states would vie for like, well, there are a lot of bears in my state. So I want to (laughs) bury like everything will become political because it's everything is political. I understand we need to take breaks from it, but everything is political. But if it was something a little bit more fun, Mm -hmm. because I think one of the things that social media has demonstrated on the negative side of it, you could go, oh, people don't think things seriously. On the positive side of it, you could see it as when communities come together, they want to have fun and they want to be joyful. When you yeah. ask the internet what a boat's name should be, they're going to say Bodie McBoatface, which is on one hand, annoying. On the other hand, it shows that there is this desire for, 
let's strip strip away some of the pretense. Let's strip away some of the propaganda and let's just be silly and human and have fun. Yeah, I mean, look at all these other holidays that you're talking about. Like, we haven't as a country and individuals just said like, hmm, we're going to turn the 4th of July into, you know, a day when we all run and, you know, hit a wall or like sit in a room by ourselves. Like we that's we've made them all fun, even if they're also about other things. And hopefully, you know, try to embrace multiple sides, dare I say, nuance. <laughs> um, but I I have to admit, when you were first bringing up this question, I was like, ah, I'm not so sure. But something that's kind of lighthearted and fun like let's you know choose the animal of the year or the flower of the year or something like that that's that doesn't it doesn't have strings attached to it it doesn't necessarily it doesn't have funding attached to it yeah um you know probably it'll have tourism attached for it for that year but you know it's a one-year thing and then you're off the ballot for four years or whatever um i think that could be fun i think that um, that is the type of question that to me provides some levity, but without undercutting the the sanctity of the ballot, if I may. Right, right. Yeah, because I don't want like best uh, scream from Nicolas Cage. You know, like yeah. I don't want something that's entirely a joke, but something that's like, uh, you know, uh, not not just celebrating. There's a lot of cool stuff in our yeah. world in America. Yeah. And what do we want to celebrate for these next two years? Yeah. To remind us that that. This is a celebration. This is us being who we are, mm-hmm. not just going and having, you know, this chore to see who wins, you know, and bring, mm-hmm. bring some joy into it. Uh, if you were going to vote and a bear was blocking your path, would you try to get around the bear? Yes. I had to ask. <laughs> <laughs> just out of tradition. Even if the bear doesn't get elected as the animal of the next I'm two years. Still going to vote. The American animal of the next two years. <laughs> no, I like this. Um So we're going to begin to wrap up our main topic here. Do you have any uh, final thoughts that you wanted to share? Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is a a wrench to throw out there at the end. I think it would be also worth considering how long election cycle or um, um, campaigning cycles are. Oh, do you think they should be shorter? I think it would be worth considering. I think so, too. I think there is certainly like the the presidential one, right? There is. It it wears you down when you're like, it's over a year away. Yeah, I th- I mean I feel like at max a year. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree, and I have been trying and perhaps failing on this episode to contain myself to the concept of voting. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not asking you to be sorry. I'm I'm just sharing for you and 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 for listeners that there are many things that I think I have many opinions about media. I have many opinions, even for politicians who I support, that I would like to see them do things. Very, very different. I would like there to be more than two parties. I would like there to be a ranked choice voting. I would be open to not having parties and you elect individuals. You know, like I am, there are a lot of ideas that I am open to and things that I think should change or things I have problems with. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to do for this episode is just that act of voting. Yeah. Is it, is it impacts us? Yeah. No, I think that's a really great thing to check. Then I have another question for you. Okay. If, you finished voting, and in order to leave the polling station, you had to give the bear your sticker. Would you? Yeah. Okay. Especially if you could take a selfie with the bear. <laughs>
<laughs> bear's like, ah, you can only leave if I get the sticker. <laughs> if there is a talking bear, I'm... Uh, <laughs> Plastered with stickers? <laughs> yeah. Because they just took everybody else's stickers? Then please, can we have an election every week so I can take a selfie with the sticker bear? Come on. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what kind of noise do you have to sum up your uh, interest in the power of voting? After our celebration discussion? Yay! <laughs> Was the chink uh, doing your vote? Yeah. <laughs> Yay! It's a great noise. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest, where do you think your obsession right now is with the the power of voting? The power of voting? Ooh, I'm gonna say at least a seven. Yeah. Do you think that's accurate for me? I think so. Yeah. 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 I think I'm at like an eight. You know? Yeah. I'd I think... say that's accurate for you. I mean, uh, yeah, and I, do, I don't ever want to uh, uh, do too much spin for listeners. I have a hard time in that, that gremlin of cynicism and doubt is, is chatting away with me often. And the way that I have felt better is by saying, like, I not only in voting do I have this limited power, but like my reach on social media, my reach on podcasts, I have this limited amount of power. So I'm going to try to share this narrative that I believe in, that there are a lot of people who don't want us who want us to feel disenfranchised mm-hmm. who want to think voting is dumb and it doesn't matter and it's not gonna make any difference and it's just this chore you know and it's just spin and bs and rah, 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 all those things they want us to feel that and the truth is it is power and it feels good it feels so good when you have power to actually be able to use it yeah and define it that way and celebrate it that way yeah that your voice matters your voice truly does matter. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. I'm mm-hmm. obviously pretty obsessed. Uh, we're going to move on to some quick plugs, and then we'll do our final questions. Uh, where on social media would you like to be found? Yeah. I would say look for photos of uh, I Voted Bear and possibly <laughs> voting celebratory food or not um, yeah. on Instagram at Scrim Street. Nice, nice. Here are some quick plugs uh, for this show and myself. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my uh, shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. You can also find links to the television show Tigtone. It's on Adult Swim, weird uh, comedy fantasy show that I'm a writer for. Just wrapping up its second season, but you can find links to where you can watch the first season on my website. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And, of course, we have to mention uh, iwillvote.com. Yes. Uh, there are many resources. This is a nice, straightforward one. Obviously, a ton of states are uh, already have uh, mail-in voting and ballot box drop-off and early voting. But if you don't know what's going on with your state, you can go to iwillvote.com and just click on your state and find out the information you need. Uh, all right. Here are our final questions. Are you ready? I am. If you could send a letter to anyone, a real person, living or dead, a fictional character, a mythic figure, anyone, and get a written reply back, who would you write to? (laughs) There's so many people on my list. Wow. Wow. Um, Honestly, okay. Um, I'm going to say written reply back. Oh, there's so many. Um, I'm going to go with Nelson Mandela. Wow, I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> is there a reason that Nelson Mandela is coming to mind for you right now? Um, 
I, I just, I think I would really, I don't know what I would say in my letter to deserve a letter back, but I just think that I would really cherish uh, getting a letter back. Well, be curious to hear what he has to say. <laughs> and you don't know why that is the name that popped into your head right now. Well, I mean, I've gone on about this before. I've been reading this, The Book of Joy. Okay. <laughs> which is with the Dalai Lama, who was also briefly a consideration in my mind. Um, and um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who worked a lot with Nes- uh, with Nelson Mandela. But I just, there, there's something like, you know, I'd like to, whether at the end of his life or during his, you know, years in prison, if they kind of where his mind was at, um, either that or else somebody who would like both write a letter and like do little sketches in it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, maybe Nelson Mandela do little sketches. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? If you got up one day and truly had nothing to do or nothing to worry about, what would you do? Mm, go for a nice long walk. Okay. You'd just be like, I, I am embracing the sense of freedom. I am moving freely through the space. Yes. This is also assuming it's not 100 degrees. <laughs> uh, I would uh, consider that something to worry about. And in this uh, <laughs> theory, in this question, you have nothing to worry about. So you would you go, would you walk towards somewhere or would you just walk wherever uh your feet were pointing in my ideal i would just i would take a meander uh me you would meander uh would you walk quickly or slowly as you meandered probably a bit of both okay (laughs) this is with nothing to do i like to meander both slowly (laughs) and quickly i think that's a great answer uh final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness oh Goodness, happiness is wearing your I Voted sticker. That is a wonderful answer. Thank you very much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. All right, so you uh, mentioned this earlier in our podcast about how much votes matter and how close results can be. And you mentioned Al Franken in Minnesota against Mm -hmm. Norm Coleman. Uh, and this is something that I think about a lot because it directly impacted the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my opinion is that uh, pre-existing condition protections, whatever else you think of the ACA, is super, super important. It's horrible that insurance companies used to say, hey, you know, you, uh, what, you have this, you had a problem before? Well, then you're going to jack up your prices or not be covered at all. It's it's awful, right? Yes. Do you agree that the pre-existing conditions protection, just that was like a, a huge and necessary step forward? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Underlined yes, yes. Yes. So something where uh, moneyed influences, right? We're, we're taking advantage of people and it got changed by the government. So mm-hmm. like an actual thing happened. Um, and it also expanded the number of people covered by health insurance at all significantly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lots of different opinions about it, I understand, but I think those things are big. And uh, I kind of thought this at the time, lots of discussions, and I, I still have friends who think that, that that wasn't enough. It was bad to take a half step. It should have been, uh, you know, more coverage of, you know, closer to Medicare for all or just Medicare for all then or any of that stuff. Like, I get it. I understand. I think it's all a legitimate conversation. Uh, but one of the things that I had hoped for and talked to at, about people uh, talked with people about at the time is that once people understood the power of having pre-existing conditions uh, uh, protected, then it became popular. 
And it, that's come to pass, right? It's mm-hmm. so popular that Republicans are even claiming that they would never repeal protections for pre-existing conditions, even though they have tried. They are currently trying, and they will probably try again. It is now so popular that it is death to, even in our incredibly polarized uh, moment, it is death to a politician to just blatantly say, I want to take away your protections for pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, pretty important, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wanted to break this down. I went to Wikipedia. And I double-checked my facts. Yeah. Uh, Tried to streamline it because it's long. And this is what's difficult about telling political narratives. They're long and complicated Mm -hmm. and involve a bunch of rules. So the first version of the bill was passed uh, in the House by a vote of 220 to 215, which meant if even five races out of 435 for just the House of Representatives, just for Congress people, went different, no ACA. So, like, that's fairly that's, powerful by itself, right? Yeah. Five out of 435. Yeah. Then the bill was amended uh, by the Senate, and it needed to be passed uh, by the Senate. Uh, and the Democrats needed a supermajority of 60 votes to get past the filibuster. Uh, I've done more research on the filibuster. That's a word that gets thrown around, gets confused. Basically, the filibuster is you need 60 votes to go ahead to agree to stop talking and have a vote. So if you don't have 60 votes to stop talking about the vote, you can never actually vote on the actual thing. Um, So they needed 60 votes Mm -hmm. to get past the filibuster and actually vote on the the bill. So initially, at the beginning of that session, uh, they had 58 senators in the Senate, uh, the Democrats. Uh, Arlen Specter, who had at one time been a a Democrat and then a Republican again, uh, switched back to being a Democrat, and that got them up to 59 of the 60 votes they needed. Mm -hmm. The other vote was from Al Franken. His election to the Senate in 2008 was extremely close, as we were talking about, with Norm Coleman. And initially, uh, Coleman appeared to have won by 700 votes. And automatic recounts were triggered, There were multiple court battles, but ultimately, after the election in November of 2009, Franken was certified the winner on June 30th, 2009, by 312 votes. That's why it came to my mind, because I had just done the research. I Mm. knew it was close, but 312 votes. So the bill then went back to the House, uh, but it couldn't be changed in the House because it would have to go back to the Senate. And in the interim, there was a special election, and the Democrats lost one seat. So they're down to 59 instead of 60, which meant if an altered bill came back to the Senate, it would not pass. Uh, So to accommodate the other changes that Democrats still wanted to make, they introduced a separate bill, uh, which was uh, dealing with only the budgetary aspects of the ACA. Because it was dealing only with the budget, uh, it went through a thing called the reconciliation process, which requires only a simple majority, and so it can't be stopped by the filibuster. Mm -hmm. So they had the main bill and then they had this additional uh budgetary one through the reconciliation process so finally uh the house voted again on the bill and they passed it on a vote of 219 to 212 so again incredibly close seven votes and then finally obama signed it into law on march 23rd 2010 so for me Mm -hmm. this is like it's hard to tell the narrative because yeah. it's, it's got all these small moving parts and lots of moments where somebody could interject and go, but this, but that, but this, but that. But to me, the narrative of this is if you value having pre-existing conditions protected, it only happened 
because of an initial five-vote difference in the House, then uh, again in the House, a seven-vote difference, and in the Senate, it only happened because Franken won Minnesota by 312 votes. I really, really marvel at the, the Franken part of it. It's 312 votes in Minnesota, in one state, to just change healthcare in America. Your vote matters. Your vote is power. 